Okay, folks. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altu sahla. Wa anta tajul al-hazna idha sha'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I know that it's 10.50, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone's like dead, literally. Uh, it is very late here, but alhamdulillah, we're honored to be from the most honored of places on this planet, from Makkah to Al-Mukarramah, Sharrafahallah. We were able to get the room fourth time lucky, is it? Yeah, but we're two times, third, yeah, I think third, maybe third or fourth lesson from here. And each of those times, we've been using that backdrop there because of that one little dinku light. You see that, that little square light above? That was the only light that we've had to do this, uh, this class yeah, for the last three times. And now we've got, mashallah, tabarakah, rahman, you know, 6,000 lights on, <coughs> and uh, whatever. We threatened the guy downstairs, and if you mess up this time, and AC as well, the one day of the year that we don't need it in Mecca, <laughs> where it's absolutely freezing. It's absolutely freezing. But alhamdulillah. So, um, and you'll be glad to know, well, they won't be glad to know, but you guys will be glad to know that we have enough goodies to go around maybe 15 times over, all right? And I'm like ridiculous levels, right? So, Mazit, you're going to have to help us out here, okay? Because there were so many names that you threw at me, yeah, that it all got a bit confusing. All right, first of all, we've got a bag of Diet Pepsi, Annie, which is, <laughs> listen, don't be hating on the Diet Pepsi, all right? Because that's important. All right, Mazita speaks to me here. So, hey, Candy. Pfizer, Manchester Pfizer. Okay, so that's Pfizer, that's, uh, that's Fizzy B. That's, you don't know that's what her name is, by the way. I'm just letting you know that's Fizzy B from back in the day, right? So she's bought Hay Candy, a whole yeah, a massive pack. Is that from England? Is that UK, yeah? Halal Hay Candy thingy. Come on in, John. Do the honest with that. All right. So then we've got Sweet Ganza. Right. Who's, uh, who's, uh, who's the lady? Pfizer, yeah? All right. Yalla. Who's the... Rafi, going to be able to catch this? There we go. Oh, never mind. No, never mind. Right. And then... Sabine, mashallah, has bought fridge cold, mashallah, very nice lint chocolate. So, if I can pass that one down that way. Are we starting beforehand or are we doing it afterwards? Are we doing it afterwards or what? We're breaking the rules here. Huh? No, chocolate shouldn't go first, actually. Uh, sweet, sweets can go first. We've got the Quality Street. Who is the mashallah, the Quality Street? Sheba. Where has Sheba gone? Oh, this is a peace offering, yeah? Give my salams in, give the chocolate, yeah? Tell her she can keep her chocolate. And then look at this. Oof. Oof. Oh, goodness me. Only some Americans can be affording this kind of behavior, right? So this is a Suad and Widad and their mom, mashallah. Is it okay to include them in the... No, it's just... <laughs> it's like, no, this is mine. So this is Suad, okay, from her only, all right? And the others, yeah, her. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, no, it's not my mom paying for it at all. And so, mashallah, they are the original LP students, mashallah, from the old school days. Original. Not many of those folks left, by the way. A lot of people come and go, a lot of people yeah, started recent, but the original gang, yani, mashallah. So that's yani, great. So we'll give that out afterwards as well. So, anyway, to say that we are rammed full of chocolate would not be an understatement. Alhamdulillah. You see, this is why you should come study with us. You see that, son? Yeah? Yeah. All right. So, 
Alhamdulillah. Um, I hope you guys are doing good back in the, uh, back in the, uh, I will quote Omar Suleiman from this morning. I will quote him. He said, miserable Manchester. <laughs> miserable Manchester. He flew in and he goes, Manchester is so miserable. And I, well, like, the problem is I can't argue because honestly, Manchester Airport is such a third world developed, yeah, developing country airport is the, just so rubbish. It's untrue. And, you know, but obviously I've got to defend my peoples, innit? So I go, you think that's miserable. Wait for your drive to Leeds, you see, that's what. <laughs> I said, that's what's going to be miserable, bro. You're about to go over the highest, the M6, the M62, M62, the worst part ever. And, you know, it's, it's high. And you know how it is, it blows you around and it's like, you know, trucks get pushed around and your 4x4s get pushed around. It's, it's hardcore behavior, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, so I said, uh, don't worry, we'll make up for it over here in the, in the nice, mashallah, beautiful weather of uh, Mecca and Surat, yeah, at the moment. All right, folks, so today we are, we've got to do a lesson as well, yeah? <laughs> okay, then we do a lesson. Right, so today, uh, Shazad has already put the uh, text up, okay? The text is uh, there, if there's anybody left in Manchester, because I think everybody's gone to Leeds for the Light Upon Light conference, which is great, to be honest. We need a bit of uh, action back home. So we're talking about who the prayer is not valid be uh, behind, and then who is simply disliked to be behind. We're talking about the chapter of the Imam, all right? So um, the part that we are reading today in the Arabic uh, Imam al-Hajjawi alayhi rahmatullah says in Izzad al-Mustaqna, he says, وَلَا إِمَامُتُ الْأُمِّيِّ وَهُوَ مَنْ لَا يُحْسِنُ الْفَاتِحَةِ أَوْ يُدْغِمُ فِيهَا مَا لَا يُدْغَمْ أَوْ يُبْدِلُ حَرْفًا أَوْ يَلْحَنُ فِيهَا لَحْنًا يُحِيلُ الْمَعْنَى إِلَّا بِمِثْلِهِ وَإِنْ قَدْرَ عَلَى إِصْلَاحِهِ لَمْ تَصِحَّ صَلَاتُهُ وَتُكْرَهُ إِمَامُتُ and I think that's probably about what we'll get to. Next week is uh, a fun chapter as well. And then those that lead women, just women. That's a dodgy bloke, that isn't it? You know what I mean? So we're going to look at him. All right. So translation: um, It is not valid to. Uh, uh, it is not valid to knowingly pray behind someone with ritual impurity. This is what we were covering last week. Or with inexcusable filth. The inexcusable is unnecessary. Or with filth on their body. If the imam and the follower are ignorant of this until the prayer ends, only the follower's prayer is valid. The reason I wanted to include this from last week is because I want to clarify something. Yeah? It is not valid for uh, uh, an ummi, an illiterate person, and then the imam explains that someone who doesn't recite Surah Al-Fatiha correctly, or makes idgham, which we'll I'll speak in a second about, in the wrong place, or replaces letters, or does lahan, which makes grammatical mistakes in such a way that it nullifies the meaning, like large, significant level, <coughs> to lead except someone like him. So he's not allowed to lead the prayer for normal people unless the guy that he's leading is also the same situation. Right? We've been speaking about this example about, you know, who can you lead, who can't you lead. And when someone illiterate is able to fix his problem, his prayer is invalid. Meaning, and he doesn't, in brackets, is assumed. If someone illiterate is able to fix his problem, but he doesn't, then his prayer is invalid. It is disliked, makruh, offensive, right? 
Well, so this is now not an invalid. Now this is a lay layer down. The prayer is valid, but we don't like it. This is the madhab. This is the hanabila. It is offensive for someone to lead when, number one, he makes grammatical mistakes. And he's lahan. Makes lahan all the time. Number two, he... Fa'fa uh, wa tamtam. I'll just... Uh, this is not my f uh, full, full translation. This was a very quick one that I wrote last week before traveling. But we'll, we'll obviously tidy this up. He stutters on the fa and the ta. Yani stammering. I want to speak about that a bit more. Number three, he does not pronounce some of the letters. And by that, I don't mean that he just leaves it out entirely, but he kind of swallows it. You know when you say someone swallows letters? Yeah, that's what I mean by that. Yeah. Number four, well, we're not going to do that. He leads one or more foreign women. Yeah, we're not going to get that far. All right, so that's what we're going to be covering today. So to finish off last week, um, I think it was you, Rafia, right? You put in, yeah, yeah, it was you who put in the logical progression chat um, this, this thing about um, the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu that when I command you to do, when I, when I uh, prevent you from doing something, then do it. And when I command you to do something, then do it as much as you can. And this hadith would indicate that the prohibitions are more important and that the obligations are something that you try your best to do. And although there is some discussion about these ahadith and these principles, there's little doubt about that. Yeah? So that uh, uh, this is not a discussion about the importance of what comes first. Right? I'm going to read again to you what Sheikh Uthameen said last week. And just to give you all some context, what we're talking about is a person who leads the prayer, imagine, right? leads the prayer, and then when he finishes the prayer, he realizes that he didn't have wudu, like for definite. Like he knows 100% he didn't have wudu, then the position of the madhab is that this person has to repeat the prayer again. Has to repeat the prayer. Because he didn't have wudu. And you're commanded to have wudu, of course. It's a command to be in wudu when you pray. Vis-a-vis -vis a person who has najasa on his body, right? Up until a set point in the prayer or even to the end of the prayer. And he realizes that he's got najasa on his body, right? Um, let's just go with after the prayer. His prayer is valid. His prayer is valid. So the question was, why is there a difference between the guy who didn't have wudu and the guy who's got najasa on his body? And Sheikh Uthameen, and I'll translate directly, he says, uh, he says, what does he say? Yeah. So he goes, and from here we know, that according to the, yani, the stronger position, we can see what the difference is in this scenario between these two. One, So if a person is unaware that he did not, was not in a state of ritual impurity, he was unaware that he had broken his wudu, then he has to repeat his, repeat his prayer, even though he was unaware. Even though he was unaware, did it by mistake, got to repeat the prayer. But the one who was not aware about najasa upon his body, he does not repeat the prayer. The difference between the two is that wudu, wudu, to make wudu is from the chapter of doing the obligations. That's the genre it belongs to. Do wudu, meaning it's an obligation. And to stay away from najasa is It's from the genre of leaving off the prohibitions. And here's the key part, Rafael. Listen. The difference being that when a person is does something which is prohibited, 
So it's not about what is stronger or not, or what is more prioritized or not. But when a person is asked to do something which is prohibited and they're unaware of it, they do not take the ruling as the one who has done something prohibited. Whereas the one who is obligated to do something and they don't do it, they're not given that excuse. The difference uh, is in the legal consequence, not the prioritization of doing it. So you're right that a person has to, has to prevent, uh, uh, stop, uh, not do haram. And a person has to do as much as they possibly can, whenever they can, of the obligations. And so there is a sense of urgency difference. Like in the consequence, because the prohibition is being told of you to leave something which you will be doing and you'll be leaving it, right? So it's already kind of started and you're told to leave it. That has been given a more legal excuse in its consequence than that which you have been commanded to do. That's what Sheikh Uthameen says. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. All right. So today's session is all about recitation. Today's session is about the Imam and their levels of recitation. Sheikh Uthameen, he says that our author, he says that it is not permissible for the Ummi. The Ummi is uh, illiterate. Uh, tahani, the, uh, uh, the translation notes are not ready, that's why. Uh, it'll be one or two weeks until I tidy it up because I've been traveling so, so much. I've not had the opportunity to write it down. That's why you can't see the translated notes on the portal at the moment. For this small section anyway. So, um, the Ummi is the one who uh, 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 is, illit we say illiterate. You know, and Nabil Ummi, we heard this phrase, the illiterate prophet. Okay, the illiterate prophet. Where does this word come from? Sheikh Uthameen says, well, Ummi, nisbatan ila al-um. That the word Ummi is linked to the word Um, which means mother. When a person comes forth from his mother, he knows nothing, right? Fresh, brand new into the planet, doesn't know anything whatsoever about anything, right? And Allah is the one who uh, extracts you from the uh, wombs of your mothers. You know nothing, all right? You know nothing whatsoever. That's Surah An-Nahl. Verse 78. Uh, and linguistically, the word ummi, the one who's unable to read and able to write. So you're able to speak, but you're not able to read, you're not able to write. That's what it means to be ummi. That is the illiterate one. Okay? And this is because of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So he is the one who sent a messenger. Uh, those who are unable to uh, uh, write, read and write, al-ummiyin, rasoolan minhum, yatlu alayhim ayatihi, wa yuzakihim, wa yu'allimuhum al-kitab wal-hikmah. And he sent them a messenger from them that recites his verses, meaning Allah's verses, he purifies them and he teaches them the book and the hikmah, which is the sunnah and is the wisdom of life. That's what al-jum'ah. Yatlu alayhim ayatihi fayakra'oon, so يعني, he will be establishing the reciting and the writing as well. And so believe in Allah and His Messenger, the unlettered prophet or the illiterate prophet. Unlettered is a, is a, is a new phrase. Is unlettered actually technically illiterate? Unlettered? 
You find that a lot, you know, and I just wonder whether that's actually what, that is actually a proper nice word for, for illiterate or people just trying to like be embarrassed that our prophet is illiterate. I don't want to use that word, so I want to use a more honorable word. You know, you, you're noticing that kind of thing, right? People are more sensitive. You know, people don't like saying the word kafir, for example. Huh? That's too, too offensive to the kufs, you know? Well, kufs is, I guess, yeah. But whatever, okay? And then you've got uh, uh, illiterate. I think illiterate is an offensive word, isn't it? It feels offensive, no? No? Yes? So... You mean like a technical versus a pejorative term, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question. Who knows? Anybody know? Whether there's a technical... I mean, or is it just illiterate is the technical as opposed to the pejorative? So if you're literate, yeah, that's right. If you're literate, and then you're illiterate, you know when there's a word that has a, 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 a presence and an absence, can that ever be, ever be pejorative? Can that ever be a cuss? That's a good point, that. Like if you call someone stupid, right? It's like, you know, there's no presence of anything. It's just a cuss, isn't it? Right? But if you say this like word like literate and you're illiterate, you're, I don't know. Uh, unlettered might be a better choice, but why though? I just don't like using words unless there's a basis for it. Like there are some people that try to be a bit clever, you know, fluffy people, you know, when, for example, the word prostitute, they see the, the, the lady of the night. You heard that one? Yeah. The lady of the night, what does that mean? It doesn't happen at daytime? I mean, what's going on, right? People are so sensitive now to the language. I think it was Widad who said to us that this is all toxic positivity. <laughs> you know, everyone yeah, and he just wants everything to be just positive, positive, nothing negative. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know about that concept in she, until she explained that. And uh, it happened once when I gave a khutbah and I cussed everyone in the khutbah and, you know, people were so upset. And she goes, don't worry, these people are all yeah, useless. They've been brought up on toxic positivity. I said, what's that? And she explained it. I go, that's a good, yeah, that was a good khutbah then. <laughs> so, Ulfa says that illiterate is an adjective. It means unable to read and write, having little or no formal education. Ah, look at this one. Marked by inferiority to an expected, to an expected standard of familiarity with language and literature. So it is pejorative. Right? It is a bit of a cuss. Right? Well, we just want it to mean unable to read and write. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder whether we have to then go... Uh -huh. Unlettered. Okay, so unlettered is an adjective as well. Not adept at reading and writing. You see, this is why it's wrong. You see, I always felt that unlettered is one of these kind of lady of the night examples. <laughs> I just felt it. You know that? Deficient in the knowledge that can be acquired from books. It does have a meaning as illiterate, though, and it has having no lettering. What does that mean? <laughs> should we have lettering? I mean, if you're, huh? I mean, it should be blank, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyway, illiterate, I think, is the correct uh, phrase. Um, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that was the Surah Al-A'raf, verse 158. فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ الَّتِي الْأُمِّيِّ 
So believing Allah and His Messenger, the unlettered or the, the illiterate Prophet, Al A'raf, verse 158. And then also, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, uh, 48, وَمَا كُنْتَ تَتْلُوا مِنْ قَبْلِهِ مِنْ كِتَابٍ وَلَا تَخُطُّ بِيَمِينِكَ Alright? So, you are not able to recite this from before, from the book, and وَلَا تَخُطُّهُ بِيَمِينِكَ And you did not yani, write this with your right hand, meaning that you were neither reading, neither were you writing it, right? And you didn't have the ability of the, the khat, and so that was not something that you wrote with your right hand either. So, what you've seen there is the original sense of the word um, then linguistically, and then istilahi, technically speaking, what does it mean? Well, ummi fil istilah, huna, it means that when we say ummi in the chapter of fiqh, this is important, you see? I mean, we've covered this before when we're studying new words, but it's always important to know that the technical meaning of a word would be very different to the linguistic meaning of the word, which would be very different from the, the, the etymological kind of basis of it. The etymological basis is that it's from the word mother, and you don't know anything when you come from your mother. Linguistically, it's showing that it's something about, you know, not about reading or writing. But technically speaking, it's something entirely different. It means that you can't basically crack Fatiha. You're not able to recite the, the Fatiha. Okay? يعني لا يحسن قراءتها لا حفظا ولا في المصحف. It's not about being by heart, they just can't even say it. So neither reading straight from the Mus'haf or neither being able to recite it. And that by definition, you are an Ummi even if you are able to recite all of the Quran perfectly, but you can't recite Fatiha, you are defined as an Ummi. You are illiterate if you cannot recite Fatiha. Like it's the absolute basic building blocks of basically being defined as literate. You have to be able to recite Surah Al Fatiha. Okay? Surah Al Fatiha, what is it? Shaykh Al says at the top of 246, he says, It is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. وَسُمِّيَتْ فَاتِحَةٌ لِأَنَّهُ افْتُتِحَ بِهَا الْقُرْآنَ الْكَرِيمِ It's called that because it opens up the noble Qur'an. And it has of course many names. So the person who is ummi, unable to lead the prayer of a normal person. Normal meaning the non-ummi. That's the first category. Um, and the second one, um, and I think that's pretty straightforward. Fatiha is of course the bedrock of not just this religion but specifically the prayer we're talking about. It's a rukan, it's most important rukan, and the person who can't do that, then what are they doing? Yeah? And the only way we can ever justify that person leading the prayer is if he's leading another person who's in as bad a situation as he is. What about other examples? Right? Or they're doing idgham. Idgham is from the uh, principles of tajweed when you blend a letter, a letter into the next one. So normally the noon into a well. Miu wara, you know, miu, not min wara, it's miu wara or min ladunka, mil ladunka. This is idgham, when you, you know, blend the particular set of letters that you all uh, 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 will have a list of and study and whatever they are, right? Um, and so we're talking about idgham in the Fatiha. And why are we speaking about idgham in the Fatiha? Because there is no idgham in the Fatiha. That's the point, right? And you can't be doing and flapping around with something that doesn't have any space for you to be applying tajweed rules. Um, Sheikh Uthameen then gives a little, a uh, few interesting statements, which I'm, I'm grateful for because I'm not a massive fan of all this tajweed behavior. And, um, but he says, So the tool of, of idgham or the concept of idgham uh, is. Um, uh, 
it's into a couple of categories, according to some scholars. One is like a, a, a significant idram or a major idram, I would say, and then a minor idram, sagir, kabir and sagir. So if, for example, you blend two letters which are very similar, then you, um, uh, if you blend two of the same letters together, then this is a, a minor idram. And if you, idram, if you uh, blend two letters which are near each other, right? Like a ta and a ta, or like, yeah, something which has a natural flow, they are the same in, in similarity, then you have uh, idram kabir. Okay? Then that's like a major idram. Um, and if you do idram, right? And if you do idram with a letter that isn't similar, that isn't part of its game, it isn't uh, uh, like it, close to it, whatever, then it's just a mistake. It's not idram at all, and you've just made it uh, wrong. An example of that is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So he will say, uh, How would you do that? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. That's what he would do. And he says, And this is an idgham which is, which is a mistake. It's a mistake. Because ha is very far from ra, they're not similar, they're not close, they're not the same letter, nothing. There's no relationship uh, at all. Alright? And this person, by definition, becomes an ummi, even he's able to recite the whole of the Fatiha fine, but just makes this mistake, he's by definition an ummi. Right? He's like messed up the, 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 the whole thing. Um, and the, the reasoning behind this, وَجْهُ ذَلِكَ أَنَّهُ إِذَا أَدْغَمَ فِيهَا مَا لَا يُدْغَمُ فَقَدْ أَسْقَطَ ذَلِكَ الْحَرْفِ الْمُدْغَمُ He's basically saying that, well, the reason for this is because when you make idgham, the whole point of idgham is because the letter is so close, you effectively kind of drop that letter. It turns into something else. You blend it, okay? So when you say, مِوَرَى You can't see the noon. You see it's gone. The noon's gone. It's, diff- it's, it's min wara. Yeah? When you say yeah? The noon has been dropped completely You can't even hear it yeah? So the noon, gone If you are making idgham in a correct place That's what's meant to happen If you make idgham in a wrong place You've taken a letter out of an Arabic sentence And this is not just an Arabic sentence This is a fatiha That's the reasoning behind it as for doing idram of letters which are close, then that's something else. Like, for example, dal and jim. Now, you might think that these are far, but they are actually close. So, for example, we have in the Quran, قَدَجَاءَكُمْ قَدَجَاءَكُمْ Which is how we recite it in Hafs. The packs, we all know this. We all know this. But in the Qur'an of Hisham, Abu Amr, Hamza, Kisa'i, for example, is Qajja'akum. Qajja'akum. You, you yani, uh, uh, I'm not a master of the Qira'at, but if you say it properly, the Dal is like very, you know, Qajja'akum. You can only see the, the Jim if you're reciting it proper. If you're a Qari, you won't even 
since the Dal, almost. Yeah? Now, uh, Hafs and the majority of Qurra, they say that in this scenario here, this is an exception, right? Even though that there could be this happening, but no, there is no idgham. It's qad ja'akum. You have the qalqala on the dal, you keep it separately, even though they are close. Qad ja'akum, not qad ja'akum, right? So this is actually a difference amongst the Qurra it's them, themselves, the reciters of the Quran, right? وَهَذِهِ فِي قِرَاءَةِ وَالْقِرَاءَ الْمَشْهُورَةِ هِيَ التَّحْقِيقِ قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ That's Yani Shaykh Uta means defending and the position of the majority and Hafs and Asim. لَكِنْ لَوْ كَانِ يَقُولْ قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِإِدْغَامَ الدَّالِ فِي الْجِيمِ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يُعَدُّ أُمِّيًّا Person Yani recites قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ You're not going to call my guy Ummi. He's actually probably more literate Yani than you and your dad. Yeah? Because Yani he knows the, the, the rules, he knows the qiraat, he knows Yani everything. And he's actually, you know, reciting according to an authentic uh, 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 manner. But of course, the Fatih doesn't have this example. So it's, we're just giving it as an example. It's not to be applied to uh, Fatiha in any uh, way. Or he replaces a letter. This is obviously very uh, close to home. Yeah? Pax all about this kind of behavior. So this is very important to listen to. Listen to what he says. So he replaces a harf with another harf. وَهُوَ الْأَلْطَغْ يعني مثل أي يبدل الراء باللام الراء باللام You know people who lisp? What do they do? سين and ثاء No man, uh, there's different types of lisp, yeah? When I think I think of the lisp, I just think of Chris Eubank, obviously, yeah? Miskin and Mike Tyson's, yeah. So how do they say that? Th. When he's trying to say sa. No, but who, what about the person who doesn't say ra? Wa, wa. What's that? What do you call that? The one who can't say ra? No, man. Is it? I mean, obviously, it is a speech impediment, but. Like my Yahya man, he you know we used to take the mikah of him day and night when he was reciting uh, Najm, yeah, Surah Najm, Tahawa Washada, all the way through his kid years and then nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, and whenever we grab him, we say, hey man, Tahawa Washada, he just can't say Tahar, you know. So, um, what, isn't that lisp when you do that? Short tongue, is that what it's called? When you can't say ra. There's definitely something for ra when you can't say ra. Ra, ra. And even, by the way, that's not an easy letter because I don't get cussed by, you know, Urdu speakers have a re. How's it go? Come on, let's see if you're asal pak now, Rafia. Now you're being tested. That's watching now. Re? Re. Huh? And the other one is re. Yeah, forget and that, man. That's, that's impossible. That's, that's impossible. For white man tongue, yani impossible. You see, there is more to this than meets the eye. Like, for example, our ta is a disaster. Yeah? So I remember when I started, my yani tajweed donkeys years ago, he just wouldn't let me go past Fatiha because of an amta alayhim. An amta alayhim. Ta, 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 ta. You know that sharp tat tat tat, and he'd be yeah, the sheikh would be like, "What's this tat 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 business?" 
know what I mean? I was like, ta, ta. He goes, yes. Now I go, yeah, and amta alayhim. He goes, what happened there? <laughs> you know, and it's tough. It's tough because, um, oh yes, hiba come with the moves. Rot, rot, what? <laughs> Rotacism. R-H-O-T-A-C-I-S-M. R-H-O-T-A-C-I-S-M. Come on, white man, you tell us what it means? No? Rotism? Huh? He meant to know his English language? What? You want me to pick on Gus instead? Gus, how are we saying rotism? Rotism. <laughs> it's called roticism. By the way, I just want to say, Hiba, before you even knew about it, Ulfa said straight off the bat, that's called roticism. Respect to that. And ah, look at that. I knew there was something out there. See? It's a speech impediment that is defined by the lack of ability or difficulty in pronouncing the sound ah. There you go. Oh, here we go. She's actually. All right. It can also happen when you have an anterior open bite. You know what I mean? This one, if you left out, you see? Once again, it's <laughs> dropping dental gems. Let's have a look here. All right. So, Shazad Salim reckons that it can also happen when you have an anterior open bite, i.e., the front teeth don't meet and there's a gap between the front teeth. All right? Huh? You have a gap, yeah? So, you are roticismed then. <laughs> We're going to check your right afterwards, all right? How do you know it's okay? I'll be the judge of that. Oh, your teacher says so. Her teacher says so. Mesa says that the term roticism, roticism, I've got no idea what that word is. Rota, we'll go with rota, right? Roticism refers to the inability or difficulty of pronouncing the sound R. When this happens, the pronunciation of the R sounds more like the letter W. Exactly how I always knew all my life. Yeah, There we go. So it's not, so, so then, so, But that's not even what he's saying anyway. He's saying Ra with a lamb. What's Ra with a lamb? Chinese. Example? Make me laugh at least, come on. What do you mean rude? We just cuss white man, we cuss Pakis, we cuss me. Chinese can have it as well, don't worry. Oh, Mazita, what? What did say? Slide rice. Fly lice. Is that what they say? Have I not been listening? Who does it? Africans? Zara. Zara. He made a claim. He said Africans do it as well. <laughs> to be honest, to be in fairness, he's an African himself, so he can say that. Um, is that right? Nigerians do that as well? Do you say fly lice? <laughs> So wait a minute, Let's say, but there's too much to unpack here, hold on. They say, I, I rub you. In Mandarin, it's a, a Mandarin thing, huh? 
I... No, this is the other way. He's saying the other way. He says that flied rice, <laughs> flied lice, meaning it should be a ra, and he's saying lamb. Oh, you mean they change it. No, no, that, that's something else, man. I'm saying that a person can't say the ra. Oh, they can't. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one. Johnny was. Yeah. Was he? Was he? Yes, 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 yes. That's rotism, right? That's classic rotism. This what what we calling this then? All right, Chinese one. Shout out the Chinese one. Fly lies. Yeah. Okay. Why have I never heard that? I don't know. All right. So, um, so here that they're changing the ra with the lamb. Yeah? So they say, Alhamdulillahi labbil alameen. Is that what they would do then? They would say, Alhamdulillahi labbil alameen. No way. In Fatiha. Real deal right here. There you go. See, you thought we're making it up. You thought Sheikh Hasbin knows nothing. Huh? Look at that. So the Japanese folks, huh? they'll say, Alhamdulillah, love For some reason, I actually think maybe I've heard that maybe even. Huh? Oh, he was been freaking out. <laughs> oh, miskeen. But they do. But they do, right? Yeah. 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 Well, that's well, 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 what's obviously going to come in a page in, 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 a, in the next section. What about those speech impediments that can be fixed? Actually, I was listening to Sheikh Uthman Khamis. He's not a scholar of language, but he's a scholar. And um, he was saying that there is no speech impediment that can't be corrected. Is that true? There's no such thing as a speech impediment that cannot be corrected with the right uh, training, X and Y and Z. Time, training, this, that, whatever. Meaning that it can't be permanent. Do you believe that, Afan? Yeah, if it's a physical, mechanical one. But we just also seen that there are people with a gap that can. Marzita shows us she's got a gap big enough, basically, and she has no problem. <laughs> She reckons her gap is not stopping her, so her teacher told her, so it's okay. <laughs> so, Soraya is saying, my fair lady, I, yes. is this meant to be something I, I know? What's, what's that? No, I haven't, no. Oh right. Rain in Spain falls... No, she, she, she's got to speak in English. Oh, right. She's a cross from, you know, she's got a strong Oh. She's like, the water in Miyota don't taste like what it That's what she is, and she's being told to speak proper. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mind her elocution, huh? Okay. So, Sheikh says that the person who says, Alhamdulillahi labbil alameen, with the lamb, fahad ummi. That's the, that's the illiterate, by definition, because of the Fatiha. Yeah, because it's a mistake in the actual Fatiha itself. 
لأنه أبدل حرفا من الفاتحة بغيره because he swapped a letter in فاتحة with something else like literally swapped it yeah this is the important part and subhanAllah I was going to tell you guys about this or the lads actually when uh, we were in uh, Masjid uh, An-Nabawi and I saw someone reminded me of my teacher he's passed away now um, Sheikh Ubaidillah uh, Al-Afghani right he is uh, was one of the preeminent scholars of recitation and qiraat Afghani scholar naturalized in Medina because he's been there so long and he taught most of the scholars there he's like Sheikh Hudayfi's teacher He's like, like every scholar you can imagine's teacher that's in Medina. And he's like so old. And then what he would do is that he would come to the masjid and then he would then give that, you know, one, two hours. Did your missus find that thingy, by the way? The Quran teacher? Huh? Would you, is she here? Yeah, did she find? Huh? Oh, okay, well, congratulations. I'll come back again. But did you find the teacher, though? You did, yeah? They sit around. I mean, they're all over the place. And back in the day, he would be there. And obviously, I used to study in the masjid. So every day, I would be reciting with him. And he was absolutely, uh, uh, like, 100% um, not having any pronunciation of the word da, right? And his riwayah back to the Prophet ﷺ did not have the word da. And it was a letter that not only I couldn't pronounce, but every person that sat with him couldn't pronounce. It's a letter between a and da, and it's like like something. Yeah? And he would be sitting there and he'd be yani, pushing to people, you know, to say it properly, say it properly. And he has, like I said, he's no joke. He has his senate. Right? And this also goes to show, and this is what I tell many of the people who, you know, get a bit, um, what's the word? Emotional, I would call it, right? About qiraat and tajweed and become very defensive, mostly women, mostly those who are involved in Tajweed and stuff, okay? And they just need to chill out. This is not yani, as prophetically structured as these people think, right? That there's lots of uh, uh, flexibility, whatever. And what Sheikh Adameen says here is interesting. He goes, He goes, this whole chapter we're speaking about, there are some exceptions to this. From these exceptions is when you swap the letter dhad with dha, right? So this is not what I'm talking about, by the way, but similar, okay? So he goes, فَإِنَّهُ مَعْفُونَ عَنْهُ لَلْقَوْلَ الرَّاجِحِ وَهُوَ الْمَذْهَبِ He said that actually the strongest position amongst the scholars, talking about all the imams, and then actually it's also the position in the Hanbali school that it, this is something which is insignificant. It's not something which is a killer. We let it go. Yani when you say, وَلَا الظَّالِينَ Yeah? As we see, many of our own people and packs do that, yeah? Because they can't get the da sound right. And da is tough. There's a lot of physical gymnastics in the mouth. Da, and the tongue up, push, release of uh, air, right amount, right amount movement. It's tough. And da is easier. And they know that it's not meant to be zwa, yeah? That's how they, you know, zoi or what do they say, zoi? Something like that, whatever. So that's why, because they are unable to bring the da sound solid, da, 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 they add the wo for differentiation. Then it becomes, well, dwalin, you know, dwalin, as opposed to a dalin. So they get the dal and they add a wo to it because they can't come up with the da sound. So it becomes dwa, well, dwalin, right? Especially in Pakistan, right? Um, and then others just, you know, they struggle and they say, well, a 
And so Sheikh Uthameen, he says, this is something that you'd let go, right? And you know, I'm always getting asked this question. You know, we get led into salah by a guy, he's a pack uncle, and you know, he always says, well, as zalim. And I've always told, told folks, this is, this is minor. This is absolute minor, right? وَذَلِكَ لِخَفَاءِ الْفَرْقِ بَيْنَهُمَا Because the, يعني, the difference between them is minor. It's like really, it's really يعني, subtle. وَلَا سِيمَا إِذَا كَانَ عَمِيًّا And we of course let this go if he's a basic guy as well. It's from the masses, right? فَإِنَّ الْعَامِّ لَا يَكَادُ يُفَرِّقْ بَيْنَ الضَّادِ وَالضَّادِ The basic, يعني, you know, Joe Public, Muslim, right? He doesn't really have the ability to pronounce the difference between da and da. You need to practice that. You do. You need to practice that. Okay? Um, so he goes, therefore, in conclusion, if a person leading a prayer, he, he is, especially if he's Ammi, normal guy, uh, uh, he says, We'll let it go. Because the letter is also difficult to pronounce, and the difference between Dha and Dad is minor. Now, he doesn't give the example that he should have, but the Allazina is much more a uh, common example. Because people think it's just us pack, but it's not. Right? The Arabs are all over that, especially the Egyptians. Especially, we, when we think of the Egyptians, you're thinking of the masters of Qira'ah, Kedah. No, yani, uh, 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 street Arabic, street Arabic is all about that. Right? It's all, Allazi Kedah, Zi Kedah, you know? Uh, they don't, they, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy, actually. So you can sell the difference between the general uh, 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 Egyptian and the uh, scholar, Qari. Obviously, they're perfect, uh, but the normal guys, as for Pax, the majority of us are all saying, Alazina, Alazina, Alazina. Now, here is another example. A person does that, that doesn't invalidate the prayer, doesn't make him an Ummi either, especially if he's Ammi, this is what is expected. This is actually what is expected, right? Uh, and we kind of let it go. Sheikh then says, So the replacement of letters, changing the letter, okay, falls into the following categories. Number one, So if he, the, the one who swaps a letter for something which has got nothing to do with it, this person's an ummi. He's illiterate, he's out. The prayer is cancelled. This is the lam ra example. Alhamdulillahi, labbil alameen. Completely unacceptable. Second category, this is uh, replacing a letter with something which is close to it. Okay? This is pardoned. This is let go. You let go. The third nice example Sheikh Uthameen gives, alayhi rahmatullah, he goes, Ibdal al-Sad sinan. Right? Mithla sirat wa sirat. Right? Sirat the seen wa sirat. Is sad. Yeah? Seen, sad. Seen, happy sound, sad, sad. Yeah? So these are not only close, but the reason they get it's, and so you think it's in category two, but it's not. It's in category three. Why? First one is unforgiven. Second one, we let go. Third, which would therefore would mean. Excellent. That is valid and actually recommended. Right? 
to alternate between them. So one's unacceptable, second one we let go, the third category, required to know the differences and play with them. That's why in the Mus'haf when you see it, you've seen it, yeah, in the Mus'haf? Little scene on top, little sad on top, that's indicating that in the riwayah that you're reciting in that Mus'haf, and you'll see that differ, of course. So in the pack one, Hafs and Asim, the one that we use, you'll see the scene on Saad, yani interchangeable there, because in Hafs both are recited. And in other riwayat, where it's not yani part of the game, you'll only see the Saad or you'll only see the scene. So that itself is a knowledge. Sheikh Uthameen says, so, This is permissible. Actually, no. Actually, a person needs to recite it here and there. So he doesn't need to say, it's okay, he starts with okay. Then he goes, no, actually, you know what? People need to recite that more. This is from the seven qiraat, from the seven authentic qiraat. Okay? You meant to mix up these qiraat. You meant to make sure that the tongue, you know, passes over on them. You know, you uh, uh, get the engine started on all the different kind of... Uh, uh, but the condition there, of course, and I think that he exaggerates that point there. I don't think that's necessary because now that's changing. Like in Cheadle, right? Obviously, Cheadle, we have Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar who's very proficient in the Qur'at. Uh, although himself, he only has two himself. Yani Hivz, Hafs and Duri. But um, uh, because he's a scholar of the Qur'an, he studies the Qur'at. And so every, every you know, um, we like it that every odd few prayers, every, uh, you know, like every once a week, for example, he will turn around and he will uh, uh, go through all of the different yani differences of the qiraat in that portion that he's just recited. And he does that to, an edu- to a crowd, which is obviously your standard front row of elders who have got no idea what's going on, Yeah. And then you've got a couple of scholars in there and you've got students of knowledge and whatever that, uh, that appreciate what's going on. But I can tell you that our uncles are more educated on that yani, than anyone on the whole planet, right? Because they heard it every single time again and again and again. Obviously, Sheikh Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi, uh, you know, becoming who he is and just generally the spread of the internet kind of, you know, thing. People are getting more comfortable with Qara'at. People are yani, hesitating now to correct someone when they hear something different. This is good, yeah? So I don't think this is the same. And also, I don't think with my respects to the point that he makes, Sheikh Hutami is saying, don't do this in front of the, the, the person who doesn't know. Seen and, uh, uh, the scene and Saad example, I think most people have seen that. I think they've seen that in the Mus'haf, and they're aware of it. Or it's difficult to actually differentiate. You've got to know your stuff to know that a guy just said Sirat and Sirat. Yeah? So, that's a, yeah, that's a point now. All right. Yeah, that's another good example. Yeah, I think this would also be, I think this would also be from the chapter of Al-Ma'afu'an. Because that's, yani, you know, m- most people are making that kind of mistake. Ka'aba, Ka'aba. Yeah, Amta, Amta. And then you got those go, Amta. You know, it's horrible. You know, you know what, you stick to Amta, man, it's okay. Because the other one just sounds like we're dying. So, you know, people can lose the plot with that as well. I think that's a good example of another one which is uh, uh, flexible. Uh, Hamza and uh, Ain. No, not flexible, sorry. Uh, pardoned, yani. It's not something you should do intentionally, of course. But when it happens, it happens. 
Um, right. Then he says, uh, Oh, he makes a grammatical mistake which is so significant that it changes the meaning. It changes the meaning, right? This is grammatical. When we talk about grammar, we're talking about يعني, فتحة, كسرة, like this, right? So, so he goes that this is um, when the mistake is both grammatical, like in terms of harakat, business, or its state. Sarf, what was Kusaf called again? Morphology? Huh? Morphology. Why did they call it morphology? Because of the morpheme of the ends. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so the morphology, um, but it being a mistake. The point is, is that if it's a mistake that doesn't affect things, just sounds horrible, or it's a mistake, just mistake, but it doesn't change the meaning, we're letting it go. But if it changes the meaning, we have a problem. Right? If it changes the meaning, ummi, the one who changes the meaning, he's an ummi. That's it. He's illiterate by definition. And if he doesn't change the meaning with his mistake, we do not classify him as illiterate. Alhamdulillahi Rabbal Alameen. Right? So that's a fatha there. Okay? Uh, so obviously, the fatha is in the wrong place. It's not yani fatha, right? It can't be Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Fallahun huna la yuhil ma'ana. This is a clear mistake, but it doesn't actually affect the meaning. This is just yani, you know that this person memorized it wrong, or you know this person doesn't know Arabic grammar. Okay? And he knows that it's not yani Arabic grammar. So, falaysa bi ummi, this person is, if he says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, he is not defined as an illiterate because it didn't change the meaning. Right? So this guy, imagine, this any guy who says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen technically is allowed to lead a Qari because he's not an Ummi. When we say Qari, sorry, you know, I need to, need to uh, start again. This is not Qari how you understand it. Yani Qari as in scholar. This means the literate. Literate. That's what it means. Qari, yani literate. Yeah? So the illiterate one that you think is illiterate because he said Rabbal Alameen, actually he's literate because this actual illiteracy didn't change the meaning. So his illiteracy is not counted as literacy, so he can lead the literate one. Yeah? Okay. وَإِذَا قَالَ أَهْدِنَ السِّرَاطِ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ as opposed to This is a good example, this one. Okay? So, So, this is basically, give me a gift. That's what you've said when you say, means guide me. Right? It means guide. Come from hidayah. Ahda comes from hadiyah, which is gift. Right? Hadiyah. And that's a complete change in meaning. Right? So, he says, 
ايش ايش وهي الدلاله ايوه and he goes so this is changing the meaning he also says iyaki na'budu iyaki right well, that's an obvious that's a horrific actually change of uh, meaning so iyaki is referring to Allah in the feminine sense yeah which is of course impossible and a complete disaster and he says he's a clear illiterate one if he says iyaki yeah so depending upon case by case you will yani, be categorized as an ummi and he goes which is a complete change in meaning. Guide me to the straight path, the path of those people I'm happy with. Right? <laughs> like, what's all that about, right? So that's like a mashup. So this is another example of where the grammatical mistake has changed the meaning in its entirety, and this therefore makes him a uh, uh, thingy. Yeah? Uh, if he, Sheikh says, if he says as opposed to بدو, yeah, with a fatha, with a zabar, it doesn't change the meaning. This is a grammatical mistake that doesn't change the meaning, so he would not be an ummi. But if he were to say as opposed, as opposed to with a dhamma, I said it should be and he says, This again does not change the meaning. At no point does this mean that it's permissible for you to be reciting Fatiha like that. Don't get any ideas about that. It's not permissible to do lahan. Alright? What we're talking about is a guy who doesn't know what he's doing and he does it by mistake as an imam. Do we accept his imam? The answer is yes, we do. The answer is yes, we do. And the bigger point here is that this guy can't lead any of the prayers if he makes any of these mistakes except the one who's the same as him. Except the one who's the same as him. Yeah? إِلَّا بِمِثْلِهِ أَيْ إِذَا صَلَّ أُمِّي لَا يَعْرِفُ الْفَاتِحَةَ بِأُمِّي مِثْلُهُ so, i.e., if there is an illiterate guy who recites Fatiha in this mashup way because he's illiterate and he's leading a guy who's equally illiterate, then what's the conclusion? The conclusion is that the prayer is valid because they are both the same in the deficiency. Valid prayer. But if this ummi leads the uh, uh, literate one, Prayer is invalid. This is the position of the Hanbali school. Now, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, right? This concept of uh, differing status, right? So if we now look at this, Sheikh Zameen says, what's their reasoning? The reasoning is, is the ma'moom a'la halan min al-imam. How is it possible that the leader and the follower are not on the same level and actually the follower is a higher status? The imam is meant to be the higher status guy, Right? That's the theory. Now, for the last few weeks, we've been rubbishing that theory. We said that that's not necessarily the case. There are many times when the follower is, a, is a better or of a higher status. There's no evidence about status. It's about the one who knows the most and says it enough, etc., etc. So what, what Sheikh Uthameen is going to say is that, okay, we get it, but is that a valid argument to use? Is it a valid argument to use? 
Sheikh says that that's according to them. That's their opinion. But he goes, there's a second opinion in matter. This is interesting. He goes, there's a riwayah, a narration from Imam Ahmed, that it's actually valid for the illiterate one to lead the literate one. It's valid for that to happen. But we need to try to avoid it as much as possible. This is what Imam Ahmed said. The prayer is valid, but you've got to stop that. A person's got to try his best not to let that happen. The authorities, the people there, because the Prophet said, then let the one lead you, the one who's most versed in the book of Allah. And if you're letting that go ahead, because his prayer is, yeah, and he, uh, uh, he can pray generally, he knows what's going on, recites Qur'an good, but makes some mistakes in Fatiha, you're not really fulfilling the requirement. This is the, the, the point. Uh, and Allah knows best. And um, I think we'll call it there because, yeah, I think we will call it there. And we'll do some questions instead. All right? That's exactly an hour and we have chocolate to eat. You know what I'm saying? Don't want the end of the, the midnight to come, lights go off, and I'm sitting there in darkness, you know, not, not knowing what chocolates to choose. Well, like, there's lots of lights. There were lights like this last time as well, but we couldn't see anything. They were complaining so much. Honest to God, whenever I did, these folks online, they're so harsh. These are the on-site people, of course. Yeah, they've become online for a little while, right? But mostly the online. So harsh. You, we don't like you where you do your Makkah lesson. We can't hear you. We hear them more than we hear you. Yeah? And we can't see you at all, blah, blah, blah. So then I got a mic, wireless mic, fully anything. Look at all this, look, look at this nakhre here, look. It's my phone, it's got all this makwan stuck into it. And now I'm sitting with all the lights on. I had to beg the guy, whatever his name was. People want to chill out, bro. <laughs> right, what are we doing on questions? Oh, there's a lot of kana here, man. Yes, with that. The, the, the follower is female. The follower is female. One, 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 just one, one. Make it, make it. there's no other male to lead. A bunch of females, but she's only. Ah, right. So we've got one basically uh, illiterate male. And we have, yeah, I need a load of women. Who know how to read. I mean, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm praying by myself. I'm like, forget you. Or I'm saying to the girls, yeah, the girls, let's do our own thing. What are we, what are we going to pray with this guy for? Right? I mean, that's what the madhab's saying. And it makes sense to me. I mean, you don't have to have him to lead the prayer, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example when that would actually happen. So, the mistake that we were talking about, you're talking about the wudu example, right? Yeah, so that's not necessarily correct in all circumstances, right? So, the level of the mistake matters. The knowledge, of course, about the mistake matters as well. So, the example that we were giving is about a person who uh, knows of the mistake 
uh, sorry, the example of the mistake that we were talking about is a person who doesn't know the, the level of the, uh, uh, the error that he's doing, like he's got no wudu. So we said that the followers' prayer is absolutely valid, but what did they do? And what did they do that they're going to be punished now to have to recite the whole thing again? Right? Like Tasneem, I think she had a heart attack when we told her that she's... <laughs> <That's cruel>. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Anyway, Bachari, you know, she thought that the whole thing was... Uh... <laughs> you see, my point is, you know, people always say, man, it's, not, it's wrong to say, you know, it's bad to do th it's, uh, you know, something uh, uh, like Fatiha, uh, Salah again. No, I don't want to pray Salah again. If I prayed it once, I've done it, that's it. You know, I don't care how nice it was, I don't care how religious I'm meant to be. If I've prayed it once, that's it, I'm done. And the same way. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that, man, that was so funny. All right, okay. So, yeah, the point is it's a case by case basis. It depends upon the act itself, depends upon the knowledge as well. But, yeah, if you are not reciting Fatiha because of your high level mistakes, significant mistakes, then this is an invalid prayer. We've got a person who's not even fulfilling the conditions of Fatiha. Yeah. Say that again, say it again. In the case that it's Jama'ah, yeah. and then that happens, but then people leave. In that case, you, as any as an individual, you just pray by yourself? When you say that people leave, meaning they said, well, we're not being in this, we're out of here. We're out of here. Yeah. Which happens, to be honest, if you're at Jama'ah. In that case, what do you do as an individual? Yeah, I mean, but obviously if everyone's gone. What else are you going to do? Do it yourself. Well, unless you're going to combine with they're all gone, bro. <laughs> I mean, if they've all gone, there's someone there, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if there's some people left, then obviously you make a jama'ah with them. And if everyone's gone, then obviously, you know, you're praying, you're praying by itself. Why is Shaykh Uthameen against Tajweed? Oh, no, he's not against Tajweed. You'll see next week, inshallah. He's not against Tajweed. Uh, he's, against, he's against this obsession with Tajweed. And that's the, the sunnah to be against obsession with anything, let alone Tajweed. Um, if the imam is ummi, is it safe to say do not lead the prayer, even if the follower is ummi? out of respect for the Qur'an. There's a difference between respect and legalities. Absolutely, you're right. That's what you would say. Step aside and know your place and this is Qur'an and whatever. But books of fiqh don't get involved in these kind of things. Yeah? Books of fiqh have to stick to legalities. When you start getting involved in kind of morality and ethics and all this kind of stuff, you start to just got to know the discussion. Now, that's not to say that Mumtia is a book on just, you know, it's of course an evangelical book. It's a book of da'wah, aqidah, and that's of course why Sheikh Uthameen was who he was. That's why all the best scholars of fiqh don't keep it to fiqh. But students can't study like that. General classes got to be taught like that because you're never going to get the audience in a separate kind of environment. So while they want something, you give them actually what they need. They want something, but you give them what they need by including everything else. That's most of the teachers of modern times do that. They use a text as a skeleton and they build upon it. Like Yani Umrah, like the Tarbiyah program, the excuse is Umrah, the rest is more important. The Aqsa is the, you know, like Hajj, same. Uh, Adab al-Mufrad was exactly the same. It was theoretically meant to be about Adab. It was Yani, as you remember from the original days, I think the only existing original, now uh, with that, your mum, I don't know whether you even knew about Adab al-Mufrad in those days. Yeah. Ajeev, the whole thing, what a punishment. Why? What did she do? Yeah? <laughs> My goodness. So, you know, Al-Adab al-Mufrad was just a, uh, a shell, you know, and it was about, right, how, what excuse? I remember my, my teacher saying to me that, you know, we need to teach more about Sahaba, we need to teach more about Hadith, we need to teach more about Aqeedah. 
So I said to him, so I need to find something that's got so much flexibility that I could blag it, basically. And al adab al was the perfect example because there was just enough of a chain there to be able to speak about people and narrators. And there was always a sahaba being mentioned, so you can bring in stories that people liked and make them connect to companions. And the hadith are not in fiqh, they're all over the show. So you can speak about politics, you can speak about aqidah and everything. So um, it is important in public circles to do that, but to students of knowledge, no, they've got to be taught gun barrel down the straight and you're not messing around. They've got to be able to know what's legalities, so they don't, when it comes to giving a fatwa, they don't get pulled aside. So uh, this question is a good one. If the imam is ummi, is it safe to say do not lead the prayer even if the follower is ummi out of respect for the Qur'an? Legally, no. That person can lead an ummi. Technically and practically, yes. You would not want yani, the Qur'an to be in that situation. If there's a group of women, is it better to pray by themselves or in a group? This is uh, uh, a good question. People might think, well, of course a group, but no, actually a number of scholars said that there's no such thing as a congregational prayer for women. All right? And this is not just the position of some of the madahib. Actually, this is some of the position of the female sahabiyah. Right? Um, and there's a lot of discussion, actually, about the validity of a jama'ah for women because we just don't see a lot of it, which is surprising. You'd have thought that you'd see more of it. But then on the other hand, you think, well, why would it be? When you've got yani, you know, the companions and masajid and ufad and qurra, why would women ever need to be praying by themselves? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's, it's an interesting debate. But I'm of the opinion that, yeah, the, the, the evidence is from the female sahabiyah to establish jama'ah are enough. I think there's enough to be able to consider it to be legislated. Actually, it could be argued that the dominant position amongst the madhahib is that it is a legislated prayer, not a recommended one, which is interesting, which is interesting. Wallah If there's a grammatical error for recitation after Fatiha, and the imam realizes after the salah. If there is a grammatical error for recitation after Fatiha. Meaning, what does that mean? Meaning non-Fatiha. Yeah, in the surah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to come. That's going to come next week, Bilal. But basically, that's not a problem. Okay? The prayer does not need to be repeated. Um, anyone? Any other questions here? Yeah. What yeah. about what? Sorry. What does that mean? So they say during the Sajjina Fatiha, yes. you're not doing the other surah. You realize, okay, I'm doing the Sajjina Fatiha. Isn't that considered Raka again? So you mean that the Imam or whoever imam, basically yeah. is clear that he's made a mistake in the Fatiha, and he's gone on to the next Raka, yeah. and he realizes clearly he made a mistake, yeah, then that whole unit is gone. Yeah, yeah, the whole unit is gone. Actually, you don't do anything. You're just starting from where you are. That whole unit is gone. All right? Because... You completed the unit, you're in the second one, didn't do the unit at all because the pillar's not there, it's fallen down, it's not there. So you start from where you are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, the question about family and leading and things like that, okay, is a, the answer to this is a combination of legalities, fiqh, as well as um, uh, uh, like, um, not politics, tarbiyah, right? You're combining a lot of different fields. So the first thing is, is that uh, a post-pubescent child, yani mature child, yani even though we call him a child, 
but they're now basically pubescent, should not be led by a woman, even the mother or whatever. Okay? So that's the only nice and easy red line. Let's keep that there. As for the other children, okay, uh, then as we covered two, three weeks ago, was it? About the leading of a child, yeah? Then the leading of a child is valid, okay? Um, and we have evidence from the Sahaba for that to happen. And so therefore, and we also said that even though that was in the Sunnah, but whatever is established in the Sunnah is the rule for the obligatory as well until there's an evidence to suggest that that's not the case. And we don't have an evidence. So as long as they know what they're doing in terms of the prayer, but they are not post-pubescent, then it's allowed for a child to lead the prayer. But I think what you're doing more, right, at home is making these decisions based upon what is it that you're trying to develop, right? Um, if it's confidence in recitation and so on and so forth, you see, the reason that I'm saying this is because we're in a situation right now which is not an ideal one. People do not pray very much. All right? This is the problem. Women more so than men, okay? But, um, uh, but just generally, this generation is poor. If you compare it to your, your parents' generation and then, then their generation. So when it comes to the issue, for example, um, the famous question, which is the uh, reading uh, dua in sujood in English, yes? Then this is something that no scholar in their right mind ever would allow in an obligatory prayer, Okay? Because there's a difference between the Sunnah prayer and obligatory prayer in terms of strictness. And we wouldn't even let it in the, 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 the Sunnah prayer, frankly. And the majority of scholars, the vast majority of scholars, don't allow it at all, actually. And probably correctly so. And then scholars like were like, well, listen, man, I mean, you know, it is the place of dua. And, you know, it's such an emotional position. It'd be so wasted if we said to people, don't do it. You know what I mean? So we've got to let them do it. And, you know, a lot of this kind of feeling made them kind of become lenient on the issue. Then what happens? People realize that people aren't praying sunnah. And they're like, you know, if we're going to restrict this to just sunnah, and they're not praying sunnah, and this is what this person needs to be able to develop dua in this moment that might actually bring them the guidance and the emotional connection, which is what this person clearly desperately needs when they're not making the effort of Arabic or maybe never will or can't or whatever, and the level of deen is a 4 or 5 out of 10 or whatever it is. If we now make this fatwa only for the sunnah, then, you know, we're losing out this person, we're losing this person. So the scholars feel under pressure, and so then they give the fatwa that, you know, it's allowed in the obligatory prayer. Yeah, and a minute ago, it's not even feasible that we think a person is saying English in an obligatory prayer. But we let it because of circumstantial realities. So this chapter of fiqh, or fatwa, I should say, fiqh and fatwa combined, because fatwa really is only in play when there's no fiqh precedent. There's no structured precedent. We have to go outside off the page, left field, and come with a new ruling. That's the first one. But fiqh, yeah. Um, we're effectively changing the kind of situation according to very unique scenarios. So likewise, when it's at home, what you should be saying, and what I should be saying, is that why on earth are you threatening the validity of the obligatory prayer like this, but every day have a portion of duha or tahajjud or qiyam or if you're not waking up at night time, then just sanafal, you know, after Maghrib, right? Everybody's at home after Maghrib. So in the, in the time of a prayer that some people call awabin, just it's a nice time. And just do two raka'ah to get practicing. Nobody would do it. You know that, I know that, right? Nobody would do it. Nobody would practice. And it's, it's a problem because, A, 
We're risking the obligatory prayer with it, okay, to practice whatever. Or worse for me is when I told you, I told you about my pet peeve, yani, those parents who bring their kids and put them in taraweeh in front of all of us and kill us, yani. yeah? What did we do, yani, to be punished by your little kid, yani, you know, because you want him to practice? Go practice at home. What did we do, right? So um, uh, I think that a combination of the fiqh and a combination of, you know, taking advantage uh, allows a child to lead the prayer, um, obligatory ones if necessary as well, until they become post-pubescent. And I think a woman who is uh, versed should be leading the younger children, yes, I do. Yeah, they don't have a legal prayer anyway at that time. Any questions? Yeah. You're not talking about Maliki and Maliki. So, because obviously these are, uh, in, in the Fatiha, Maliki and Maliki is two Qiraat, actual valid. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so it's like a Maliki and Maliki, kind of, yeah? This would not, yani, this would, well, Maliki and ma. yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Yeah, I think I might have heard that. Maliki. 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 So I think, I think that because they're so rubbish, I think it's okay. Because they're not even making the mistake properly. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, because what he's saying is that saying Maliki, yeah, instead of Maliki. But when did you see a pack ever say Maliki? He's saying Maliki. That's what he's saying. It's just a lazy kind of amalgamation of both of them. He's not even doing the mistake proper, right? He should be saying Maliki. He's actually technically, if he spelt it out, he's saying Maliki, yeah, which is completely wrong. But what, I never heard a pack ever say Maliki. He's, he's saying Maliki Omiddin. That's what he's, you know, Maliki Omiddin. That's what he's. That's what a pack recites like, isn't it? Yeah. But they're right, they're right. Actually, in next week's lesson, Sheikh Uthameen is going to be even more lenient than what I'm saying. He says, well, let's wait, wait until what he says next week. It's very interesting, actually. He says that, Yani, around my parts, the Bedouins, he goes that they've tried with them, they can't recite Fatiha whatsoever. That's Arabs, Bedouins. They just can't do it. He goes, what are you going to do? He goes, we've got to let them off. He says, because they can't recite it. So we'll come to that, yeah. Uh, the person who's introduced to Islam, my brother was delivering us to the family and we were unsure when to stop him and correct him and, and when to make sure that he was... Because of the voice of the woman? Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. Because uh, of this, uh, when we were grammatical mistake also in our ah. mm. And the second one, if you change the Tifat of Allah at the end of the ayah. Right. Because we would say the meaning of the name. Wait, the Tifat of Allah, give me an example. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So I, 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 I've spoken about this before, right? You remember that we spoke about when uh, there are some scholars that consider a proper change in meaning, Wallahu yuhibbul muhsineen, and you say, Wallahu yuhibbul muttaqeen. 
instead of Muhsinin? Do we correct this uh, clear mistake? And there are a number minority of scholars that consider that this is not a correctable mistake, right? Or not a correctable mistake. It is a mistake that hasn't killed the end of the situation. And for you to speak up is a bigger thing than letting that go. Because speaking in a prayer is haram. And it's only allowed because it's obligated to do it. And to shout out muhsinin is not something which is allowed to do unless it really is obligatory to change it. And these scholars, they argued, they said, well, I mean, really, what's the big difference between muttaqin and muhsinin? There's a massive difference, obviously, in terms of technically. But here, they're saying that clearly Allah is trying to praise good people for good things. And that's very close. And so therefore they said that you don't yani, do that. But this is controversial, frankly. And I have to say that I am lenient to the idea, especially for the Sunnah prayer, there, you know, there's a general idea that we do let things go. Now, on that line, or along that line, um, again, it's a case-by-case basis that if we have a scenario, like you know, brother practicing at home kind of situation, you are probably far more stricter. Because you're in that environment where, what, like I can, like, I mean, you're speaking to the wrong guy here because I, I can't stand this stuff at all. So I spent the last 10 years praying at home, yeah, with my kids. And if there's one thing I cannot stand is poor recitation. And when I say poor recitation, by the way, I don't mean a bad reciter because, like, I can't even stand this guy who's reciting now. What's, what's this guy's name? Is it Tawsari? The Maghrib and Isha? What's going on, bro? I mean, well, but honestly, what's going on? It's just, it's... No, man. I, I know he did. I, I noticed that and I said, okay. Yeah. Which is weird, right? SubhanAllah, just, Yani, that, uh, that I said that. No, no. Oh, halves. But it was just going all over the show. You know, I don't like that behavior, man. But anyway, the point is, this guy, I really don't like it. And Sheikh Muntim is going to speak about this, actually. He's going to quote Ibn Taymiyyah next week, right? My pet peeve when it comes to these reciters going all over the place, right? Um, but I'm, I'm ultra sensitive to recitation. I mean, I get emotional. If I, I don't want to be in that person's place, room. It ruins my experience. I'm way too sensitive to that. So it's a nightmare for my kids. So my kids will not make a single mistake in their recitation. And I will angrily say, the beginning of the ayah again because I want it recited again. You know what I mean? And they know that, yeah, he, you know, he started going into all this bakwas again. You know what I'm saying? So he knows now I've got to go back and just calm down and recite, you know? Or he's reciting from his nose. You know what I mean? All the ghunnas and the and God knows what. Recite properly like a man, yeah? Stop singing like a girl and recite proper. So um, that's way too harsh. But not to my son, it's not. So if there's a need, I think it's okay. And if it's for sunnah prayer, I think it's okay. You've got to build up a case for it. So the kind of cases we're talking is family, closed environment, no others involved, sunnah. I think many things are allowed. Does that make sense? Oh, you mean you find out afterwards? But then if you can't decide, then what, then what are you going to do anyway? How can you correct it if you don't know? If 
But you, you just said that you don't know. If you're saying you can't decide, how can you, how can you correct? I mean, certainly you can't speak out based upon one. I mean, mo most of the corrections that I never made in my life were only because I wasn't sure myself. Like, was that? No, John, what? Oh, but then you'd know. No, but that's, my, but, but that's my point. You would know, right? And if you don't know, then you can't change it, can you? Oh, yeah, of course. If you, bro, bro, let me tell you some classics. The thing is, is I don't know whether it's on my phone or not. Anyway, you see, that's the problem. I recorded it and I sent it to Sheikh Walid immediately because he loves that kind of stuff and I laughed so much. I laughed maybe one word. I did not put it on Facebook. I did. Zakaria reciting uh, Taraweeh. Oh, you got me thinking. I think I bought it on Facebook, you know. I've got it and it's somewhere. And only, only Allah knows what the, the, the ayah was. But oh my God. He changed, didn't change the meaning. He broke his arms and legs. Anyway, I did If you can find me that link and put it on somewhere It is unbelievable what he said I can't remember now at all But I just remember that when I heard it I nearly fainted <laughs> Like I became dizzy Like what did I just hear? Like two, three killers in the verse Like turned upside down Sent the people of, the, of, of Jannah to Jahannam And he sent the, <laughs> he sent the people of Jahannam yani, to the Jannah And he like made the devil like the king And I don't know what he did And I was like, I, you know, I was like smacked I was trying to get up from the first one He smacked me again And I was disoriented, you know And I, I didn't know what was going on And I, 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 I was recording it I was recording it because I, I always review it with him Or review it with the kids and then I, you know, I did post it to uh, thinking I'll find it, I'll find it, I'll find what's speaking about. It. So my point is, is that you've got to obviously know that it changes the meaning. If you don't know for sure that it's not changing the meaning, then on what basis are you speaking out? That's the base default. Remember, you're not allowed to speak. And so to speak means you've got to correct. And to correct, you need to know that you're correcting. You need to know you're correcting. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like this chocolate, what's going to happen with this chocolate? You, you, you carry on, but mafkar now, look at this. So I just thinking, Yanni, what, 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 why are you disrespecting my chocolate, she said. I can, I can literally feel it, she's saying that. Why, why, what did my chocolate do, she said. Carry on. Sorry, one second. What's the, what's the flavors again? Oh my, can we just, can we just show these losers at home, please, yeah? Oh my God, Merry Christmas, oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my goodness gracious. Can you believe that there's not a single explanation of what the colored flavors are? Is it? Yeah, you... Oh, they're labeled, sorry. They're labeled. Yeah, the green one's pistachio. You'll be glad to hear. And the swapper green one is not labeled. I'll try that. Sorry, brother, go ahead. Um, 
Latte. Latte. You know what? You guys want some? <laughs> you know our LP tradition is to throw them, yeah? Yeah. Ladies, you ready? No hate, yeah? Yeah, luck. Come on. This is our tradition. Come on, girls. There we go. There we go. No hates. Come on, Gus, wake up, Gus. Oh, so I find Miss Keen, man. You're not letting it get through. Come on, ma'am. Oh, Mesa, stop being so miserable, ma'am. There we go. There you go, buddy. There you go, Rafi. There we are. All right. Where, where, where do we get? Where do, sorry, bro. Go back to your question. So, um, the match strike is supposed to be four harakats, and they're just doing one. Ah, that's coming next week as well. This is where people lose their minds. Harakat, yani. Where do you get harakat from? You know what I mean? People, yani, uh, give people this hard time because he did short harakat. Come on. This is where Tajweed people lose their minds. People need to just calm down a bit. That's a complete change of meaning, guys. If you're not giving a mad as a ismul fa'il, for example, there's a difference between someone who's a person versus an adjective, for example. Yeah, that's, that's different. That's not tajweed. That's actual change of meaning, yeah. If someone learns through sort of root learning, so they, haven't, they can't read Arabic and they're not actually reading and someone sort of translates it, yeah. are they still No, illiterate? no. Because, oh, hold on. You mean a person who... So, so someone repeats, someone can, you know, um, recites it, and then they recite after them, and then they slowly learn it, but they, you know, say they can't, or definitely can't read Arabic, maybe yep. they can't read English, right? Yeah. A transliteration of, into whatever language they can read. Well, by definition, right, if we're going by the legal definition of illiterate, then that is a person who is unable to recite Fatiha, whether reading in English or in Arabic or uh, following another person or whatever. That's according to this definition of illiteracy. The legal fiqhi definition of illiteracy with respect to prayer, not the concept of illiteracy in general. Yeah. I think if a person is unable to say those words, then I guess so. I guess so. Now... Whoa, 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 one second, whoa, one second. Oh my God, right, guys, guys, guys. I, I don't know if the lesson even works. Oh yeah, well, yeah. One second, guys, one second. Oh my God, someone's going down. All right. Okay, you ready, boys? Listen. He said, أَفَلَا يَتَبَدَّلُونَ الْقُرْآنَ First is the um bit, yani, okay? What is he doing? Um, if you're stuck, just be quiet. I was like, what are you doing? Um, but listen to what he said. Listen to what he says. 
And the irony of Quran, the irony, okay, of, of what it should be. <laughs> Why are they not changing the Quran? He says. <laughs> Why are you not changing the Quran? I fainted, bro. So I was still getting over. Um, um, I was like, what are you doing? What's he doing? Then he goes, Quran. Bro, I've got, I've, got, I've got so many of these files, by the way. Zakaria, like nice guy, to be honest. Miskeen. Miskeen. Anyway, anyway. Thank you very much, Tahani. What a legend. See how she found out? Sick. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, I stayed in a gathering, uh, and we had like an elderly, just out of uh, respect, uh, they had asked the elder to read the salah. Yes. That, 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 that you're saying he shouldn't be leading kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like you don't even say, you don't even correct them until the side says, Yeah, be embarrassing or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. There's no way I'm going to try and be high and mighty and say you shouldn't have let him go forward because how many times have we let that happen? Not just let happen, encourage you, I need them to go forward. I mean, the truth is, is that we let that happen knowing that, I mean, when I, when I do that, I'm not letting a person go lead the prayer that I know can't recite Fatiha. And I've always known that Al-Lazina, Al-Zalin, and Amta, and, and, and all this kind of thing is minor. Minor meaning it is ma'afu'an. Most of the time, these packs, our un uncles, whatever, will fall into the minor. I haven't heard of a major. I haven't heard, no, alhamdulillah, that's like, that's a killer. Yeah, because... Yes. That's uh, well because the hadith states that. That's why a person is not to be led in his authority, and you you are the master of your home, and you mustn't be led. However, there is a version of the hadith which states, except with his permission. So the key is that you must not be undermined. And once you give permission and you're more than happy, then anyone can lead the prayer that you appoint. But yes, in principle, that's correct. All right, guys, we'll call it, inshallah, next week. Uh, again, online, everybody, not in Shira. We're in Norbury, Norbury, mashallah. Won all the votes, mashallah, tabarakal rahman. They deserve it. It's going to be a cold and miserable. Do I look like Umar Suleiman? It's going to be a happy and light yani, night in, in uh, thingy. We'll see Suraya there, mashallah, who's yani, close to Adia, will come down as well. All right. Yes. Yeah, this is not referring to a person that's struggling. This is about the legal capacity of an imam. We are, we are discussing who's fit to be an imam. This has nothing to do with the struggle, the rewards, the excellence of a person that's trying. This is about we're a group of people. We're putting someone to lead. We've got to make sure that we don't put someone forward who's illiterate. Yeah. Uh, Sheikh, what about if someone has issues, issues with aqidah, for example, that says, I'm not believe the Quran is preserved, for example? Yeah, I mean, if individually the scholars are able to sit with him, make it clear that the person is not a Muslim, that his aqidah problem is significant to the level, then of course he can't lead. Is this considered to be a major thing? No, no, all case by case. It's not just that easy just to say on one thing. All right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika, shahadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirakallahumma wa atubu alaykum wa jazakumullah khair.
Wassalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. See you there, folks.